In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We have the parable of the talents today. A servant received five talents, another received two, and another received one. There is inequality in the externals. Riches, power, status, learning, position, and so forth. Inequality. Some have gotten five, some have gotten two, some have gotten one. And while we attribute wealth and things to whether God is blessing us or not blessing us, as followers of Jesus Christ, we shouldn't. We shouldn't. Not if you love the stories of the countless martyrs, not if you understand the cross of Christ, and definitely not if you've read the New Testament. So, just a smattering of verses. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and thieves break in to steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be. No one can serve two masters. He'll either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And even better, sell your possessions, give alms, provide yourselves with purses that don't grow old and a treasure in heaven that doesn't fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. That's from Luke. Take heed and beware of all covetousness, for a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And I could go on and on and on and on and on and on. We are so easily swayed by the world and are suckers for wanting to live our best life now. But that's not what now is for. The parable teaches us what now is for. That's what this parable is about. The parable is about now. So what do we know? We know that God does not regard what man is in the world and what he has. God does not seem upset that some had five, some have two, and some have one. He's telling the parable. God does not look on external status and position. When the prophet Samuel was sent to Jesse, to Jesse's house, to anoint one of his sons as king, the prophet Samuel was looking for the kingliest looking one, the biggest, brawniest, smartest looking king-like person. So Jesse brought all, all his sons. And he is kind of taken with the one. And the Lord says to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on his height of his, of his stature, because I've rejected him. For the Lord does not, this is the Lord saying this, for the Lord does not see as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The Lord looks on the heart. God looks on our inner progress, our growth in faith, our growth in truth. And while we want an easy life, and while we'll misconstrue the easy life as to whether God is blessing us or something, we know, as Carl Perkins, the singer-songwriter, said so aptly, if it weren't for the rocks in its bed, the stream would have no song. Abba Isaac the Syrian in his 56th ascetical homily put it this way. I do not mean to say, however, that the rugged places on the path of God are past. 
or there is anyone who lives on this path without undergoing temptation. On the contrary, I say that man who lives in virtue will find that day by day his afflictions increase. I'm going to read it again. On the contrary, I say that the man who lives in virtue will find that day by day his afflictions increase. And the more he makes progress, the more he'll be found amid adversities. Indeed, a sign of the trueness of man's course that he lives a bitter life in this world and he departs from this body with suffering. I don't want to depress you, but I want you to hear this. For this world is not the world of the righteous, and the righteous cannot dwell in it without sorrows. Yet the will can be strengthened by a divine gift to despise afflictions, and it can preserve the mind unshaken through the joy of the love of God. He'll say in the next homily, uh, this is briefer, the soul that has concern for virtue... And the fear of God must necessarily suffer sorrow daily. I want you to hear this. Because the virtues are interwoven with sorrows. And he'll go on to say this. He who flees afflictions most certainly separates himself from the virtues also. If you desire virtue, surrender yourself up to every kind of suffering. For afflictions give birth to humility. And we advance toward humility by the means of trials. I'm building. We had the epistle today, St. Paul. Brethren, working together with him, we entreat you not to accept the grace of God in vain. For he says, now is the acceptable time. At the acceptable time, I've listened to you and helped you on the day of salvation. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no thought can be found in our ministry. And then he talks about what it is to be a servant of God. We as servants of God commend ourselves in every way through great endurance, in afflictions, hardships. You don't want, I don't want him to say this, by the way. I want him to say, it's great and easy. And we've never had more money. We've never been happier. You know, all it is is glory to glory and easier and easier. We're, you know, you never hear we're living our best life now, but that's what you want to hear. And instead, he'll go on. Afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, tumults, labors, hunger. And then he talks about the virtues by purity, knowledge, forbearance, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God. These like afflictions and working for the virtues, they go together. God does not seem to care about our comfort as much as we wish he would. St. John the theologian says, don't love the world or the things of this world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father's not in it. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father's not in it. So what does God want for us? He wants us to strive for the virtues, for the inner virtues, to have our hearts renewed. He doesn't look at the outward appearance, as he said to Samuel the prophet. He looks at the heart. He wants us to strive for the inner virtues, multiplying faith, goodness, charity, love, meekness, and on and on. 
We need to store up faith, as St. Gabriel of Georgia said, not food. We need to store up faith, not food. So we have this parable of the, of the talents, right? Some, one's given five, one's given two. We'll see. Claire. Hi. Right. Talents. Okay. Five, two, and one. And the one with the five makes five more. The one with the two. Oh, All right. The one with the two makes two more. And the one with the one doesn't go to work. Doesn't multiply the virtue. Doesn't put any effort into it. Doesn't try. It's as though the one with the one would want to go to the judgment and said, well, I didn't do any good, but at least I didn't do a lot of bad and expect that judgment will go well. And the Lord's telling us, you've got to multiply the virtues. So as an example, if you have any faith at all, the Lord is saying, grow that faith. Take that virtue and work on it. Trust me more. Maybe faith comes easy to you. So maybe there's a different virtue to work on to multiply what is it? It's time to go to work. It's time to go to work. What, settle your mind on the virtue you want and go to work. St. Theophan the Pluse said this about this parable. He said, the earthly time is a time for trading. That means it's necessary to hasten to use this time as a person who would hurry to the market and bargain for what he can. We are not to take our rest and make merry. This is me, not St. Theophan. Pull, pull up, put up our feet, take our rest, pull down the smaller barns and build bigger ones and say, ah, we've made it. The Lord is saying, you want your best life now, but that's not what now is for. What's, what is now for? Multiplying the virtues. Trusting God more. Loving God more. More. You love God. I know all of you love God. The parable is saying, push yourself to love him more. You, I know you trust God. I know it. I know you. Trust him more. What is an area of your life you're not trusting the Lord? Trust him there. I know you have faith in God. Do you have faith in God for every part of your life? And if you don't, Grow the faith there. Try him out. I'm going to trust you. Grow my faith. I believe, help my unbelief. It's like one of the great lines of the New Testament. I believe, help my unbelief. Like, that's what this parable is about. It ends, you know, with the Lord saying, you were faithful over a little. I'm going to put you over more. The question is like, are we faithful over the little? The one with the littlest wasn't even faithful over it. So, and it doesn't matter, like, it doesn't matter what the one would have gotten. The one did not need to get ten. The one did not need to get five. The one did not need to, like, the one just needed a half of one more, you know. Twenty percent would, like, just needed growth. Just needed to grow in faith. We do not want to be ones that go Sunday to Sunday showing up at this beautiful service, the liturgy, this incredible thing that happens here, the greatest event in the cosmos, and then go away as though we hadn't been here and show up next Sunday like forgetting. 
but to walk through the week in faith, to take what, like, what happens here in our hearts, you know, and to keep it alive, to say our prayers, to keep the fast, to keep the fast, to come to confession. The work that has to be done is the work of the heart. Don't buy, don't be a sucker. Don't buy the world's lies. That it's all about getting ahead and getting comfortable. Nice quiet. That's it. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. You know, we, we're, we kind of can't help but like, you know, try to make our lives comfortable. But if it becomes the distraction to faith, that's all we'll have when we die. There's a bunch of stuff. And as, as that holy monk on Athos said, when you go to heaven, you don't have pockets. You know, you can't take it with you. There's no place for the money. There's no place for anything. So let's work on our hearts. Let's like, we know the master in this gospel, Jesus telling the parable. He has where the guy says, master, I know you to be a hard man. Reaping where you've not sown, gathering where you've not widowed, and I was afraid, and I went and hid my talent in the ground. This one with the one has no idea of the characteristics and the character of the master. The one with the one does not know who the father is. He thinks the father is like out to get it. It's like a trap. To be given some kind of virtue. I know you to be a hard man. So I would put it to you like, is the Lord a hard man? <laughs> is the Father this way? Not from anywhere else in the gospel. Not from what we see with Christ on the cross. Not with any of Christ's teachings. We've got this one bad character saying this horrible thing about the master. But if the master is a hard man, switch the, turn the table to end with this. If the master is a hard man, it's only out of love. It's only out of desire for growth. It's only like pushing us to love him more. So he leaves the afflictions because without them we can't be saved. He leaves the temptations because without them we can't be saved. And that's why this parable is so incredible and why it is the good news, even though on the outside it may not look like the good news. So thanks be to God. The encouragement is if you're trusting the Lord, find the parts of your life where you're not and trust him more. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.